The SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll receive a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up at underdogfantasy.com with promo code SGPN and receive a free $25 entry to use in Best Ball Mania 2 for a chance to win $1 million. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app in the App Store or Google Play Store. You know what that sound means. It is time for another Sports Gambling Podcast Network fantasy football podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I am your host, Rod Gomez. Find me on Twitter at RJ Gomez. Download this fine show anywhere you get your Google Play or your Google, anywhere you get your podcasts. And of course, more importantly, on the SGPN app. Guys, I am excited. This is going to be a fun show because not only are we talking about a bunch of new players on new teams, but we are going international with our first guest from across the pond. Richard King of King Fantasy Sports is joining us today. It is very late for you, Richard. So thank you for making this a after hours, after dark podcast here on the SGPN. I'm used to it uh, being in the UK. This time difference uh, kind of bites sometimes, but uh, I'm, I'm pleased we could make it work. <laughs> me too, me too. And listen, so you're a fan from uh, across the way, obviously. What is it like to watch games with such a... I mean, look, I'm on the West Coast, so I can't really complain. East Coasters complain, but you, my friend, really can complain when the games last long. What's it like watching football for you over there? So I typically watch the the well i'm gonna say six o'clock um that's the early games and uh so i normally watch all of those and then the 9 p.m games i'll normally watch and then i normally watch like the first half of uh of the sunday night games um and then just uh just try and blag monday morning um I don't really, I, I can't do like the Thursday night or Monday night games like I've always tried, but not having any of the action up until kickoff, it's always a bit of a struggle. So Ugh, I can only imagine. I mean, I remember watching baseball when I was in Korea and that was a 12 hour difference. So that was, I was waking up at six o'clock in the morning to watch the Giants play baseball. And that was, that was rough. So uh, kudos to you for keeping up your fandom way over there in a, in, you know, a time zone far away, but uh, not a time zone far away is our, okay. We are going to, and, and I'm not going to get too much into this because, again, we try to keep this show very, very concise and very brief, but we have had so much knowledge dropped on this show that our our fantasy administrator has called me in and said, no more fact checkers, Rod, because you guys always drop the knowledge and, well, me not really so much, but your guests and the fact checker always just are so prepared that there's nothing to fact check. So we are going to keep score now per round of these 10. And now our first official scorekeeper is Dan Titus. You know him. You love him from the SGPN uh, Fantasy Football Podcast, other host. Uh, and we are just so excited to have him as our first scorekeeper. So Dan, thanks for experimenting as always with this show. And thanks for being on again. 
No doubt, man. Wouldn't do anything else, man. I love this show and and you just continue to bring these fire guests along. So if we have to pivot a little bit to make it a little bit more entertaining, um, that's what we got to do. But I uh, just want to bring down or uh, break down the quick rundown of what the scoring is going to be. We're going to run this like a boxing match. There's going to be a max of three points per round. If someone delivers a knockout blow, they're getting three points. Otherwise, if they if it's a good, clean fight, can't really determine it. We're going to give it two two points to the winner and one point to the loser. So that's how we're going to score it. We'll tally it up at the end and we'll see who's the winner. Whew. I love it. I love it. All right. So as always, we're loading three minutes up on the clock. That still has not changed. You hear this sound. This has not changed either. That means you have 30 seconds or we have 30 seconds to wrap up our thoughts, to wrap up our, our talks. And then when you hear this noise... That means that the game is over. Well, okay, that round is over anyways. And then we move on to the next. So, uh, all right, Richard, all of that is is a nutshell, this this show. Are you good? Are you ready to roll? Are we ready to do this? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. Beautiful. All right, so we are now talking the new players on new teams that uh, that are moving. I mean, there's a lot of folks in the offseason that have gone to new teams. We're going to talk about the fantasy relevance of 10 of these, and we are going to start, put three minutes on the clock, and go with Mike Davis moving now from the Carolina Panthers to the Atlanta Falcons. Richard, is this a good move for him? Is this a bad move for him? What are we going to expect from Mike Davis now in Atlanta? I think it's a good move. Um, personally, I think you know, the, the fact that Todd Gurley was somewhat relevant last season and uh, I believe he's only got one knee. So Mike Davis is an immediate upgrade in that backfield uh, with two working knees. Um, he's not really had that many carries in his in his career that far, um, so far. Um, this Atlanta offense is going to need to be doing a lot of work considering the, the lack of talent they have on defense. So I'm 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 feeling pretty good about Mike Davis, especially with his ADP at the moment. Uh, when I last saw it, he was in the back end of the sixth, um, kind of seventh. Uh, I think if you're getting you're getting a starting running back there who has upside on on an offense, that's going to be needing to score points. So that's good move. I mean, I get it, but I I just don't think Mike Davis has the RB1 capabilities that everybody thinks he has. I mean, again, last season in Carolina, 165 carries, 12 games, of course, 642 yards. I just, I don't see him getting that much more of a workload where Todd Gurley, of course, you said one one knee. Sure, he's got one knee, but he got 195 carries there, 678 yards. So it's not like the workload is going to increase, I think, for Mike Davis. He's still going to have to put up with, with other guys in that backfield. And again, I don't think that Atlanta has always based their offense on their running game. Now, let's just say with Julio Jones gone, that gives a couple more carries to Mike Davis. I still don't see him as anything more than a journeyman guy that will probably bring you RB1 uh, production some weeks, but I don't think on a consistent basis. You're right about the ADP though. He's a steal where he's at, but I'm not sure that I'm trusting him uh, to to really carry my team uh, at all, really. And and maybe if I get him as a back-end RB2, that's what I'm going to get from him. And that's all I'm going to get from him for the season. So uh, I don't see him as a good fit in Atlanta because, again, I don't see any running back as a good fit in Atlanta anymore uh, until maybe Matt Ryan goes away. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. You got you to gotta kind of convince me that this guy is going to be really, really good there in Atlanta. I mean, the beautiful thing is you you almost made my point for me. You're talking about RB1 performances. 
He doesn't need to be an RB1 because you're talking he's going to be RB3 on your team, flex consideration. And he, he'll have some weeks where he has RB2 scoring, maybe RB1 if this Atlanta Falcons offense goes crazy. But I mean, I'm not holding my breath on that. Um, you know, we've seen running backs in this offense before be very fantasy relevant. Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman both were viable flex plays. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I get it. I get it. I still don't see it. I, I'm going to let Mike Davis be somebody else's uh, problem. Titus, are we scoring per round or are we waiting until the end? What do you, what do you want to do? You want to score it per round? Well, he's got to unmute himself. That's what he's got to do first. Dan, you got to unmute yourself, buddy. There true, you go. True, true indeed. So to keep it interesting, let's let's score it per round just All so right. we can make sure that you guys know the landscape. If you have to throw some haymakers, you can still do it. <laughs> so I'm going to give the first round to Rod here, mainly because I just don't get the sell of Mike Davis. And, and I, I think Richard had a great point. At best case, this guy is going to be an RB3 for you. Maybe occasionally he's going to be an RB2, but the RB1 upside is really not there. We saw what it looked like when he subbed in for Christian McCaffrey. Last year, he couldn't sustain that workload. The guy was often injured, really was a plotter, and really lost steam at the end of the season. So, you know, in that Atlanta Falcons offense, we know it's really built on Matt Matt Ryan trying to throw the ball. So we'll see. I don't think there's going to be much value there, but certainly if you're getting him in the late sixth round, it certainly could be a viable option. I promise you, Richard, that was not set up. I did not do that on purpose. I <laughs> just want you to know that right now. Uh, I did not mean to win the first round, but let's go <laughs> for round two. Maybe this one, maybe this one I'll slip and fall, but uh, we're going to talk about James Conner, who now joins the Arizona Cardinals in that backfield uh, at the vacated position of Kenyon Drake, I think, really, I don't know, but um, Richard, wh what are your thoughts on James Conner in Arizona? What kind of fit are we looking at, and, uh, and what am I going to have to argue against this time? <laughs> well... This move, I'm kind of just meh about, which uh, so I'm going to fight the side of saying it's not a good move. Um, I think that the you know, you, you're saying he's replacing Kenyon Drake, who had 239 rushing attempts last season, uh, just shy of a thousand yards. Um, but I think what we're going to see more is uh, Chase Edmonds uh, take a bigger step in this offense. James Conner hasn't had a, I don't think he's actually finished a season in the NFL yet. Um, so you've got injury concerns. You've got the fact that Chase Edmonds is still in, in the backfield. And I think, let me just pull up the depth chart. I should have done that before. Uh, not really got any, 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 anyone else in the, in the running back room that's going to cause them too much of a threat, but you've still got Kyler Murray out of the backfield as well. I just don't see, I just don't see it there. The, the workload being there for James Conner to be an effective running back for you this season. You know, and I, I will agree as far as it's not a good move for James Conner, but I think it's a good move for the Cardinals because I don't think they were looking for anybody to be a Kenyon Drake. I think they wanted somebody to just maybe spell uh, Chase Edmonds for a, a down, you know, a third down here and there. Uh, because I know James Conner, we thought he was good. I mean, and he's not bad. He had 973 yards in 2018. That was probably his, obviously his best season. He came back and only played 11 games, 721 yards there. 
And so, you know, we know that he can handle the load, but you're right. This is the the, the injury concern now uh, because he has not completed an entire season. Should he have completed that uh, 2018 season, we could have seen a thousand yard uh, season out of him. But we, I think the, the Cardinals know that they're not going to get a Kenyon Drake out of him. I think even James Conner probably at this point knows that they're not going to get a Kenyon Drake out of him. So I think the Cardinals made a good move here by bringing in a guy that could very easily be an RB1 if he could play and if he could stay healthy, but they don't need him to be. So I think they brought him in in the right situation. Now, for you as an actionable fantasy player, uh, you're probably not going to do anything more with Ken- or with James Conner than to handcuff him to Chase Edmonds. Maybe grab him in a very late round if he's still around for some running back depth, but uh, you are certainly not putting your entire season on James Conner for sure. Definitely not. Yeah. Uh, and so to just wrap up that point and, and to put a, a bow on it, I think when you get Chase Edmonds now, when you're looking at him, you're probably bumping him up in your expectations and in your rankings somewhat because you know that now I think he's going to be handing a little more of the load than he may have already been uh, going into this season. And now, of course, with Kenyon Drake gone, certainly done. And you might want to load up on Chase Edmonds where you maybe not would have already. So Titus, what are we looking at for round two? We have an even bout. I'm giving it two to one to Richard. Come on, Rod. You got to give me something more, man. This guy laid out every point that we needed. You just pretty much reiterated everything he said. So, I mean, I can't I can't deny it, man. I think that this James Conner signing is really just getting a mid-level, a mid-level guy to kind of just plod, maybe get some goal line carries because that's what Kenyon Drake's really role really was with the Arizona Cardinals last year. Kyler Murray is the real running threat in that backfield. And at this point, they, they signed James Conner for a one-year deal. They're not giving this guy any money. This guy's going to be out of here. They're going to be making a new decision for that backfield. This is going to be a prove-it deal, really, for Chase Edmonds to see if he can sustain a, a larger workload. So I agree with you both, but giving the round to Richard. Yeah, well, see, I told you, Richard. I told you to get one in there because, I yeah. <laughs> He's just figure. done that to keep it interesting. He, <laughs> he knows he knows entertainment value. He's a good man. Uh, speaking of entertainment value, I don't know if we're going to get any out of the New York Jets this season, uh, but you know there could be some miracles happening. And Tevin Coleman is moving over now from the Niners to the Jets, almost maybe in a worse situation. Uh, but he's he's going there nonetheless. And does he make an impact? I don't know. Richard, what are your feelings on one Tevin Coleman now as a New York Jet? I feel like this uh, this New York Jets backfield is going to be very much like the 49ers in that they're going to be sharing all of the carries. The issue being that they won't have the same production as the 49ers. So you're going to feel like I don't really want too much of a piece of it. You've got the fact that the, the team invested in Michael Carter in the draft. They've still got uh, Michael P. Ryan. And for some reason, everyone's still talking about Ty Johnson. You're not good enough to play for the Lions, but apparently you're good enough to start in the NFL. I don't understand the concept of that, but you've got a couple of guys there um, that I think are going to be trying to take snaps away. You've got the fact that we're going to be seeing a lot of negative game strips, I think, for this team. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Zach Wilson has to do with his arm. So I'm not sold on the Tevin Coleman there, I think. He, he might be one of those players who flashes at the start of the season and you trade mid-season uh, when his value is at his highest. You know, I think in a PPR, this is good. I think this might be working for the Jets because you're right. They're probably going to be in a lot of negative game scripts going in, especially with Wilson at the helm. But here's what I think. Tevin Coleman 
while not utilized very much in the back end of what's been his career so far as a pass catcher, at least had one good season in 2016, 31 catches, 421 yards, three touchdowns. It's not a bad season for a running back to play receiver. And I think that's where the Niners should have been able to exploit more. He had 21 catches in 2019 before he got hurt, obviously in 2020. Um, So I think this is someplace where they haven't utilized Tevin Coleman enough. I think he's got the hands to be a a pass catching running back and I think if the Jets could tap into that a little bit uh, they may actually be able to spell their backfield a little bit better I mean you're right they brought in some some folks to play and and there's going to be people that need to rush the ball uh, LaMichael P. Ryan obviously Frank Gore was the guy he vacated that role now but even P. Ryan himself 64 carries 232 yards doesn't seem like an every down kind of uh, every down kind of back so I think if we give Tevin Coleman some carries but a lot more catches I think that Jets backfield is better off uh, I'll, just, I'll just jump in real quick and say if you're holding on 2016, then that's not going well for you as an argument. Todd Gurley had a good t- 2016. David Johnson had a good 2016. So unless you're putting those guys in your starting lineup, I don't see why you're using that as an argument for Tevin Coleman. I'm just saying there's one season to hang your hat on that the guy actually did something and maybe he can do it again. He just got hurt too much. That's my, that's my only point. Come on, Richard. Uh, Titus, what are we looking at for round three? So, man, that was that was an interesting round. You know, I think uh, Richard really came out swinging towards the end of that round there, had you on the ropes. So I'm going to give it a 3-0. I mean, I got to feel him on this, man, because Tevin Coleman is really in this brutal timeshare right now, and he's got he's surrounded by youth, and that's like the worst problem to have. Um in a situation where you're the, the Wiley veteran. Now, he does have his head coach that he had in the San Francisco 49ers in front of him, but I, I got to agree with Richard here. This is going to be a lot of negative game scripts, which isn't going to bode well for a running back that doesn't have a, that has a pretty storied injury history. So um, shout out to Adam Pelletier here, our resident principal and fantasy administrator, because he swears that Ty Johnson's going to be fantasy relevant this year, which is complete dog shit (laughs) cannot believe it so thank you richard for just pointing that out because that's just a joke so we have now the current score is six to three to one king sports all right fine i'm gonna have to step it up here in round three or round four rather uh and this round is going to be one giovanni bernard who is going from uh the Bengals to the buccaneers i I don't know. I, I want to hear what Richard has to say before I formulate my opinion, because this is one of the tougher ones for me uh, to try to figure out what to do with. So, Richard, let's let's get your argument first to see where your head's at here in Giovanni Bernard. OK, uh, my argument here for Giovanni Bernard is uh, to pretty much look at the career of uh, James White, because for me, they're, they're a very, very similar player. You got Tom Brady there in, in the pocket who... That offensive line really protected him last season. But if he doesn't like something, he, he's just going to look for that valve. And that was always James White. And now it's going to be uh, Giovanni Bernard. He's going to be in, in PPR um, formats. I think he's going to be pretty valuable. I mean, let's not forget that you've got Leonard Fournette, um, who I affectionately call noodle legs because he his legs seem to always go to jelly at some point during the season. And Ronald Jones, who seems like if he uses the wrong color Gatorade, he'll just get benched for three games. So we could even see Giovanni Bernard getting a couple more snaps um, and carries out of the backfield. So 
I quite like it, especially in PPR formats. See, and here's where I don't, because again, you already do have Ronald Jones. You already do have Leonard Fournette. I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn even factors into the mix at some point. So I don't think that there's many more targets to go around in that uh, Tampa Bay team uh, to make him fantasy relevant in a PPR. Uh, and and as far as carries are concerned, I know that we, we joke about Ronald Jones getting pulled, but the guy almost had a thousand yard season last year. Uh, 14 games, 192 carries, 978 yards. I mean, it was a really good season for a, a running back that you would fear in the back end to get pulled. So for me, I mean, I, I still think Fournette carries some weight. They wouldn't have brought him back if he didn't. And I, I just think Giovanni Bernard is one of those depth pieces that they brought in. I don't even know that he makes the team, uh, to be honest with you. I feel like there's a very real possibility that he could be maybe a couple of weeks in and then let go or even before training camp uh, ends just kind of released because they've already got so much depth. This Tampa Bay team doesn't need another piece. They already won the championship with what they had. They knew how to utilize it. They brought just about everybody back. So they're reload, they're reloaded for another run. And I just don't think that Giovanni Bernard is, is one of those things that's going to say, hey, this guy, he's really going to take us to the championship because they don't need him. And so he very well could be playing for another team by the end of training camp. If they brought back James White, would you have liked that? Uh, no, I don't think I would have liked that either. I, again, I don't think that there's a, nece- a, a, a need for another back in that backfield. They've already got what they need. Um, I think right now they're just kind of pulling in people just to, just to make sure they have enough. And then if they know they have enough going into the first game of the season, then they're all fodder. I mean, you know, it's just my thought. I, I, I've never been a huge Giovanni Bernard guy myself anyway. So, uh, Titus way in here, buddy. Yeah. Man, so Rod Rod makes the comeback in the fourth round here. I'm going to give it to him two to one, mainly because I think he outlined a great point in just the fact that, you know, Gio Bernard is really just brought in as extra running back depth. He only got signed for just over a million dollars at the vet minimum. They have Leonard Fournette there after just winning a, a, a Super Bowl as well as Ronald Jones. And to be honest, if you look at the Tampa Bay's schedule, strength of schedule, they're going to be having a positive, some positive game scripts there. So I think Ronald Jones is really going to be a, a late, a late game hammer that they're really going to utilize, which would devalue uh, Gio Bernard and his passing ability, potentially being in a James White like role. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to give that one two to one. We are now looking at seven to five going into round five. Woo, going into round five. Round five features a young man that is leaving one high powered offense, or maybe not depending on what happens in the offseason, and heading to a giant question mark in the Detroit Lions. We're talking about Jamal Williams. Again, making that move from Green Bay over to the Detroit Lions, uh, staying in the NFC Norris. But uh, again, I think his situation worsens. But I want to know what you think, Richard. What what happens to Jamal Williams here in Detroit? I think his his role say pretty much the same as it was in um, Green Bay, which is to be, a, be more of a spellback for... Uh, for Swift and to be pass catcher. So the, the biggest concern that that I have uh, with this is the is that offense. I don't think this is actually a great move for fantasy at all. Those scoring opportunities are just not going to be there. Um, the fact that you've brought in Jared Goff as your quarterback, um, a guy who's typically looked down you know, sh- short field uh, passes, and then you've brought in deep threats in uh, Perryman and Tyrell Williams, who we've not even seen 
play for two years. Um, this offense, I don't think is going to be very good. I think the only pieces that I want to be touching are Swift, just purely from a workload standpoint, and Hawkinson, because I think he's going to be seeing a lot of the dump-offs. I don't think Jamal Williams is going to be on the field all that much, and when he is, those scoring opportunities are just not there for him. Deep, deep flex play at best. Yeah, unfortunately, I can't agree. I can't disagree with you on that. But I will add on top of that that Jamal Williams, you know, even even in the uh, the Green Bay offense, there, you know, he had 505 yards, 119 carries, and only two touchdowns. It was, you know, and most of that came from when Aaron Jones was not a factor as well. So, again, you're right. I mean, when there's better backs in front of him, Jamal Williams does not see the field, and I don't see him seeing much more of the field. And even as a pass catcher, you know, he only had uh, 31 receptions, 236 yards with the Green Bay Packers. Jared Goff is not one to look that way. And so I don't think uh, even in this Detroit offense, he's going to continue to do the same that he's done before. Um, I don't see Jamal getting a lot of play. I'm not drafting Jamal at all, not even for depth at the position, because I have a feeling that he'll be around on the waiver wire uh, when I do need him to be there. I don't I don't see too many people drafting him uh, in the earlier rounds and certainly not in the late rounds, but I don't know. Have you done much mock drafting, Richard? Uh, I have, and I'm not picking up Jamal Williams at all. I mean, I just... I'm not going to pick up a running back who isn't going to be that effective. If if um, Swift goes down, I don't think Jamal Williams just takes all of that workload. I think you'll see it split between a couple of guys. And so <clears throat> if you're looking at the best case scenario being a timeshare in a bad offense, nah, not for me. Yeah. I mean, Adrian Peterson last year, 156 carries, 604 yards. It was, wasn't like the Detroit Lions backs were doing amazing things anyways. Uh, you know, the ghost of Adrian Peterson getting 604 yards, DeAndre Swift coming in with 521. Uh, you know, Jamal Williams doesn't have a lot of, dare I say, upside in that offense. Uh, again, stay away. I'm sorry, I had to agree this time, but I had to agree. So, Titus, that was probably hard to score when both of us were on the same page. So, I guess you're just going to have to go to the tape. You know what happens when you disagree. So got to give it to the king on this one. You know, I think he brought up some really good points in terms of just the overall Detroit Lions landscape here. If there's only two people you're going to trust on that team, it's DeAndre Swift and it's TJ Hawkinson. Jared Goff is that quarterback. We have no clue what's going on with that wide receiver uh, depth. And Jamal Williams is seriously just brought in just for that depth. And um, I don't see that there's going to be a real clear path to playing time unless DeAndre Swift goes down with an injury. And in which case, as Richard stated, you know, he's going to still be one of those fringe flex plays that's probably going to be on your waiver wire for a long time. Or they bring back another long forgotten running back from the past and give him some cleats and give him the ball. But uh, Adrian Pearson said today he's ready to go. So, you know, I mean, Dan Campbell likes people that will bite off kneecaps. And I'm pretty sure <laughs> Adrian Pearson will do about just about anything to get back on the football field. Oh, man. Don't forget Frank Gore as well. Oh, yeah, Frank Gore. Oh, man. All right. Well, with that, we're going to step aside. We're going to pay some bills, come back with our final five. And uh, yeah, this has been fun so far. I think we'll come back and do a little bit more. 
As is every episode of this show, we are brought to you by WinBet because WinBet is bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. You can get in on all your favorite teams, all your favorite players, and all your favorite sports games. They have got generous promos going on all the time. Odds, parlays, it's all happening right now at WinBet+. Plus, if you get started today, you're going to receive a special offer up to $500 in risk-free sports bets. That's right, $500 risk-free sports bets. Of course, terms and conditions always apply. You can get the details right now at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We are also brought to you today again by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. You can find, and I mean this, the best odds on NBA championship tickets when you buy directly from other bettors on PropSwap. If you see a ticket you like, but you think the price is too high, you think someone's trying to get over on you, don't worry. You can submit a bid for a price that you think is fair, and then you can buy it. Every ticket purchased on PropSwap can be resold at any time with one click of a button. And PropSwap gives you a suggested price tool to let you know how much your ticket is worth. Last week, a PropSwap customer sold a $500 40 to 1 Phoenix Suns championship ticket for $600. That's after the Suns went up 2-0 in the finals. A 30 times return for the seller big money and adjusted the odds of negative 400 for the buyer when every sports book in the country had the suns at negative 500 not prop swap ladies and gentlemen with prop swap your bet doesn't need to win in order to make money it just needs to improve think of it like the stock market but for sports betting use promo code sgp on your first deposit and receive up to 500 in bonus cash go to propswap.com download the prop swap app today of course, as always, we are brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Make sure you head over to underdogfantasy.com right now. Use that promo code SGPN for a free $25. That's right. Sign up now for a free shot at $1 million. Download the app today. Sign up at underdogfantasy.com. Use that promo code SGPN. If you would like a hands-on explanation of how it works, you can head over to the YouTube channel right now, the Sports Gambling Podcast YouTube channel. Watch 24 hours of our man Ryan Kramer going after it. Draft after draft after draft. It is something to behold. Make sure you check that out. Then go download the Underdog Fantasy app. Use promo code SGPN. Get your shot at that Best Ball Mania $2 million contest. Of course, the SGPN app now is live on the Play Store and the App Store, so make sure you head over there. It gives you to all of our picks, all of our podcasts, everything you want in the SGPN right there on that app. And of course, don't forget to toss us an app review. Download the app today. Get started. You can listen to this show right after you do it too, or you, you know, all the past episodes, whatever you want. Just download the app, shoot us a review, let us know what you think. For more of the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast, I am here with Richard King from uh, from the. Well, I, we didn't actually nail down exactly where you are in the. Is it the UK that you're at right now? Yeah, I'm in England. In- so um, I'm in a place called Reading, which is about I don't know, half an hour, forty minutes west of London. All right, we'll take it. So uh, close to you're you're like a guy from California. You're like, ah, you know, we're in a, somewhere around LA, somewhere around Sacramento. You got to give everybody the big ones where they know where they're looking from. And of course, the scorekeeper himself, Dan Titus, who is readily scoring this uh, this match. Why don't we give uh, everybody a recap of where we're at, and then we'll head back into the next five, Titus. Yes, we are at. We're approaching round six with Richard King up. Nine to seven on Rod. So we got a tight match here. I'm expecting you guys to throw them 
Let's see what you got. Let's see some combinations. What other kind of uh, uh, whatever you, you got in the in the uh, I can't even think about what I was going to say there. <laughs> whatever you got, bring it. Let's go in the arsenal. <laughs> five uh, more rounds to go. Five more rounds to go. Okay, so we start off round six with Corey Davis, who is now making the jump over to the tennis. Or I'm sorry, to the uh, Jets from the Titans. Um, this is another jet that we got to talk about the Jets offense again. I'm sorry, America, uh, but here we are. So, Richard, tell me what you think about Corey Davis in this Jets offense now. I mean, imagine being excited about Corey Davis being a wide receiver one. No, <laughs> not going to happen. He's just never done it in the NFL. The only, you know, his last season just gone was his best with uh, 984 yards, and that's the opposite the other side to AJ Brown, who is just a dominant receiver. Corey Davis just hasn't done it from, from day dot, you know, 2018, he had over a hundred targets, still didn't make, um, didn't even make 900 yards with only, uh, 891 yards and four touchdowns. Now he's going to an anemic offense in the, in the jets and a rookie quarterback. I'm not sold on this at all. You, you, you're going to have to try and sell me on this. Okay, well, maybe I will then, uh, because I think that Corey Davis is exactly what the Jets need. They need a, a, a just a super explosive guy. I know that you said he has never really been a, a uh, wide receiver one, and you're, you're right. I mean, A.J. Brown did kind of pave the way for him to get 984 yards, but let's not forget that he was a very highly touted guy coming into uh, at least the 2018 season. I'm not going back to 2016 anymore. Richard, you've already got me on that one. Uh, but at least on 2018, uh, 891 yards, uh, 65 receptions. It was a pretty good season for him. And I think that was really the only season that you could kind of point to and say that this is the uh, a potential of a, of a, a lone um, Corey Davis. Now, in a Jets offense, you're right, that is going to be anemic. I feel like they need somebody. They need that person that's going to really step it up for them. Um, and, and I think that's what they're going to get out of Corey Davis. Um they, he's not going to have A.J. Brown, but hes I don't think he's going to need A.J. Brown. I think he's a, a talent in and of his own right, and I feel like uh, if you're going to give anybody, if you're going to give a rookie quarterback any sort of um, actual target to, th to catch the ball, it's going to be him because Jameson Crowder, God bless him, 699 yards last season. He's not the guy. He's not A.J. Brown, uh, but he is going to get some attention, and I think that's going to give Corey Davis the opportunity to be the wide receiver one, finally, that he's going to get to be uh, there because, I, I, again, there's really nobody else with the type of talent, I think, that Corey Davis has. So, I've, I mean, I've done my projections for the Jets, and I've got Corey Davis at 52 receptions for under 800 yards and four touchdowns. Wow. That's just not going to get it done. I don't want it. Thank you. Move on. <laughs> where, where do you have Jameson Crowder? Just just by chance. Uh, I have him at 55 receptions and just over 600 yards. So you really are down on the whole Jets offense, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, you've, if you've, got a, you've got a rookie quarterback. You've got an offensive line that it should be improving, but still has a lot of, a lot of ways to go. Um, I think they're going to look to establish the run if they can. And I think... I just don't see it happening too much. <sighs> yeah, I mean, again, we're, we're talking about the Jets offense here, so it's not like we're making ourselves super... <laughs> excited about anything uh i'm trying to pull up now real quick just the uh uh what do we have for our sgpn uh projections but while you do that let's uh let's go to the tape titus wh where's that round fall for you 
I'm giving that one to Richard once again. He's up 11 to 8 now. Well, okay, I guess I can't really say too much because uh, our projections for him have him at 58 catches, 593 yards, so we are super down on Corey Davis as well. So I want to check what Crowder is real quick on that one. Crowder is uh, 674 yards. Yeah, I guess no love for the Jets offense from anybody in this. Yeah, one one bright spot for Corey Davis is that he did have a 70% catch rate, which was better than A.J. Brown's last year. But he's going to have a way worse quarterback throwing to him in Zach Wilson. So not too much optimism there. No, I mean, again, I'm only doing this for the sake of argument's sake, because I kind of agree anyways that this is going to be a dumpster fire, but it's not a fun show if we agree every single step of the way, uh, as my buddy Adam (laughs) Pelletier will tell me. Uh, I don't know about this guy, though. This guy we may may actually be disagreeing with, uh, and that's Will Fuller. He moves to the Miami Dolphins, and uh, I don't know. This is one of those interesting situations. Richard, where is your flag planted on Will Fuller? I actually feel like I could argue this either way. So I'm I'm gonna argue I'm gonna argue negative for Will Fuller. So Will Fuller has only he's never finished a, a season in the NFL. It's not really what you want from a from a player because uh last time I checked you only get points if they're on the field. Um he looked like he was gonna p- complete last season, but it turns out, you know, if you take PEDs, you're gonna get banned. <laughs> Who knew? Um this uh, this Miami Dolphins offense seems like it's quite happy to sit on this on its defense and then do the running let the running game do do the big work. The fact that the Dolphins moved down then back up to acquire Jalen Waddle, who is BFF with uh, Tua, I just think a lot of those targets are going to be going Waddle's way. Don't forget you got Devonte Parker there as well and Mike Gesicki that needs to be fed. I think Will Fuller. Uh, feels to me a little bit like the odd one out and he'll be used more as a decoy than as an actual target in this offense. Uh, no love for the Will Fuller. I just think the guy is super talented. Again, last season, you could have been looking at a thousand yard season from him uh, had he stayed healthy. He is explosive. He does have off the field problems. Yes. Uh, but I think with the Dolphins, you don't have a lot more uh, that scares people anymore out there. And I think Will Fuller behind a guy like Devontae Parker, who you know is going to get a ton of targets uh, in and of his own right. He got 103 of them led the team last year but when your second leading receiver is a tight end you are begging for another receiver there to spell the the just the bleeding so i I know gasecki's gonna get his i know everybody's high on gasecki and that he's gonna stay relevant but i think you give Tua another deep threat like will fuller um you're going to just do nothing but get good things out of i think this is going to be a one-two pairing between parker and um and uh, a fuller that you didn't get really in Houston because Brandon cooks. Yeah. You know, he's a good receiver. He's going to be a great receiver again. I think this season in Houston, but uh, well, it depends on who's throwing the ball, I guess. But uh, I I think he's going to be a good receiver still. I think he's going to be a thousand yard receiver, but I think Will Fuller makes for a good one, two punch with Devontae Parker uh, over there. And I think this was a good move for everybody involved. I think Fuller needed to be out of that situation. I think Fuller needed to uh, distance himself from the, Texans and of course now I think everybody does uh but you know again he's moving into a good situation with a good quarterback yeah I mean that th- that'll be amazing three games that you get that you get from him and yeah if you can tell me which games he'll be good 
then I'll then I'll I'll happily hand you the points. But he's going to be missing time, and you're not going to know when those big games are going to be. They'll be when he's on your bench. So you can have him on on your roster. You know what format you don't have to worry about that in best ball because if he does then you have him and it's okay uh so if you're a best ball player if you're playing on underdog fantasy right now use a combo code sgpn uh you can draft will fuller and doesn't matter which games he hits he'll hit for you so (laughs) i love it look at it got to get the sponsors in somehow all right titus where are we at with that round titus is still scoring it up and it's 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 starting to get ugly. We got Richard at thirteen to nine. He's starting to pull away. Holy you're gonna Jesus. need some miracles here, Rod, to to make this happen, man. We're gonna we're, you're pretty much down to two knockdowns right now. So oh, wow. this could be a death blow pretty pretty soon here. Just want to go into how bad t- uh, Tua is, and I mean, last year he finished twenty ninth in completion percentage. He finished 26th in yards per pass attempt. I mean, that can't possibly bode well for Will Fuller. Not to mention this dude's on PEDs. The only time he ever stayed healthy for a season is when he had to cheat. So I don't know. I don't have much faith in that. To uh, Richard's point, they did spend a lot of draft capital on Jalen Waddle. That's that's obvious. Um, yeah, I don't think uh, this is going to be a huge help for his fantasy value. But you can't say that Tua doesn't have weapons. So this is going to be the, the prove it moment for Tua uh, surrounded with Devonte Parker, as well as, as Jalen Waddle and miles Gaskin, who should be a pretty solid RB two this season. If given a full workload. Well, I know what I need to do from now on. Now that we've reformatted this show, I'm going to have to get where everybody's at so I can research the anti of what they're doing. So look, we, we, <laughs> we're learning as we go, adjusting this show uh, to get it primed for when the season starts. But uh, all right, so let's uh, let's move on to our next player. We were talking about Nelson Aguilar. He is moving from the Las Vegas Raiders to the New England Patriots uh, in, in what could be only described as a, I just don't even know any more what those Patriots are trying to accomplish. Uh, but maybe Richard can shed some light on it as well as what he thinks of Nelson. So um, Richard, what are your thoughts on Aguilar in the Patriots red, white, and blue? Um, if Cam Newton's the quarterback, then I really don't like it. If Mac Jones is the quarterback, then I, I'm okay with it. I think this offense is going to be somewhat of a dink and dunker, um, similar to what we saw with, with Tom Brady, at least in how I can see it set up with the two tight ends as well. I think that you're, gonna, you're not going to see a lot of downfield action, which is uh, which kind of where Nelson Aguilar has um, benefited a lot. But I think Mac Jones is going to make those uh, quick passes, try and get the ball out of his hands because he's not as mobile as Cam Newton, who can decide at any, any moment, I'm just going to try and rip off a run. But, I mean, it's, it's such a weird situation that we're in with the Patriots where a couple of seasons ago, people were clamoring to get pieces of this offense and now I'd, I'd take Johnny Smith uh, or Hunter Henry but I think that says more about a tight end position than anything else outside of that Damian Harris you know he's going to get volume but the biggest question mark is who's going to be the quarterback because you're going to see massive swings in value for all of this offense depending on it you know when Mac Jones eventually gets gets the the reins of this offense 
Yeah, you got to think that that time is going to be sooner than a lot of people think. I think Cam Newton, I just I don't see him sticking around for the entire season. And I, in fact, I don't even see him making it past the first five games. So uh, I'm going to base this off of the the Mac Jones theory, and I don't like it. I don't like uh, Aguilar here. I don't think that in Las Vegas, uh, you know, he had 896 yards. Great. But he was also not getting talked about a whole heck of a lot with guys like Ruggs and and even Darren Waller out there. He stopped, he stopped being the number one target to his tight end uh, on that team. And I, and now he's going to New England who has two potential tight ends that could have been Q, or tight end one anywhere else. But now they're tight end one and one A uh, along with guys like Kendrick Bourne now, um, even Nikhil Harry who's still, well, maybe not, but Jacoby Myers. You know, these guys who were already there that shared the load last season, I don't see a guy like Aguilar coming in to make an instant impact on a team that one doesn't have a quarterback. Well, that has a quarterback controversy. Let's even put it that way. And two doesn't have a quarterback either way that I think can get all of those guys, the ball uh, where they've got again, two tight end ones, a couple of guys that could be good wide receiver twos and Aguilar who again, lost his position in Las Vegas to a tight end. So um, I don't see it. Apparently, Richard doesn't either. <laughs> no, I don't. Only, I mean, the only positive you can say is the Patriots immediately signed him at the start of free agency, but it seemed like they just decided that uh, middling wide receivers were their free agent targets this season. <laughs> they, were try- they were trying to get all of the wide receivers like the Niners were trying to get all of the running backs this season, all of the middling running backs. So, um, All right, Titus, go ahead. Keep digging my grave, buddy. Yeah, I feel like I got to give you some kind of credit here, Rod. Um, even though you did just agree again, um, I feel like you brought home some 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 differing positions and points. So um, I appreciate it. So I'm I'm going to give this one a tie. I'm going to give this one a one to one. And the current score is fourteen to nine, Richard. However, uh, just want to say no, neither of you guys mentioned that Nikhil Harry is demanding a trade. So. Yeah, Cam Newton can't throw the ball, but that's one less person in the receiver room that he has to worry about. It's really just him and, and Jacoby Myers at this point. Um, but yes, they did sign Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. So if Cam or Mac Jones is going to be thrown to somebody, it's probably going to be one of those four. But Cam Newton's a disaster. I mean, he says that he's fully healthy. I don't know if we can believe it. He only threw for eight touchdown passes in 15 games last year. So not giving you much upside for a guy like Nelson Aguilar who had eight touchdowns and just under 800 yards. So really much of his fantasy value came from scoring touchdowns, which obviously in New England is going to be uh, tough to come by. Yeah, especially when Cam Newton's rushing for all of them at the beginning of it, and then Mac Jones is throwing more interceptions and touchdowns when it starts. Right. So, uh, all right, yes, yes, I finally at least drew even blood with Richard on this one, so I'll take it. Uh, let's move on now. We can move on to Marvin Jones going from that storied Lions offense to a new look Jacksonville offense. And so we're, we're talking about rookie quarterbacks once more. Richard, is this rookie quarterback going to fare better for his receiver than the last one we talked about? I I think it will. I think Marvin Jones, I've always liked him as a, as a receiver. Um, I'm, a, I'm actually a Green Bay fan. So I've always, I've always suffered those, those big games that he's had against us. So maybe I'm kind of marred by that, but um 
I think this offense is uh, it's, it's kind of ready to go. I mean, if you're talking about a rookie quarterback stepping into a, a good situation, like you've got good running backs with James Robinson, who came out of nowhere. You've got the um, the first round selection of uh, Travis Etienne. You've got DJ Chark as a receiver. You've got Marvin Jones, who I think is underrated as a receiver. Um, and you've got a lot of targets that were vacated. There's no Keelan Cole. There's no Chris Connolly. You're talking that's over 140 targets just there with those two guys that are available. I think that the way that this offense be, you know, want, wanting to play, I think there'll be a, a, a space for Marvin Jones to get downfield and have those big games. Um, similar to Will Fuller um, in that it might be few and far between those those big, big re- receiving games. But as you said, if you're playing best ball, then, you know, that's perfect. I'm, I'd be quite happy to pick him up as a depth piece on a roster uh yeah no I, I don't think i have any shares of marvin jones and i don't think i'm going to have any shares of marvin jones i think he benefited from being on that lions team that was very very i just think weak overall and that he he's shown pretty nicely over there uh even with kenny galladay kind of being there to, to steal his thunder um you know he did manage what the 900 yards that he had 900 almost a thousand yards which was great over there uh but he's moving into a situation where again it's a rookie quarterback and i know that we said that no two rookie quarterbacks are the same in this but i still think trevor lawrence is not going to provide the same sort of oomph uh that that anybody else could in that situation in jacksonville i know he's stepping into a good one but he's still a rookie quarterback he's still going to have to learn the system he's still going to have to figure out how to work. Um, he's not Minshew mania. Uh, he's not Mike Glennon. Yes. But of course those guys are still seasoned vets in that they have NFL seasons under them. So they can uh, feed guys like Chark and Cole and, and Laviscus or Laviska, uh, as it were, but I don't think that he's got enough to make Marvin Jones an almost 1000 yard, uh, year receiver this season, maybe next season, but I don't see it for, for, uh, 2021. I mean, that, it's, it feels to me like quite a strange uh, thing to take when uh, Trevor Lawrence is clearly a better quarterback than Zach Wilson and you were trying to talk up Corey Davis being a, a top receiver. So I find that difficult. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. But I still, I'm not high on any of these rookies. So, I mean, that that's why it's it's difficult to have to come off the hip when I'm, when I'm thinking about uh, rookie quarterbacks because I don't like any of them. And I, I took uh, Trevor Lawrence in a mock draft and I felt nasty about it. So... Uh, that should tell you where I'm at on all the rookie quarterbacks anyway. So, uh, Titus, tell me how poorly I did on this one. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like this one was another close one here. I, I got a score at one, one. I, I thought that you guys both had compelling arguments on both sides of the, both sides of the argument here, because, you know, I'm not really honestly, Rod, I'm not really into rookie quarterbacks either. But I can't deny, like, you know, Marvin Jones has had three nine-touchdown nine seasons in his last four years. So, I mean, the guy is a red zone target. And we've seen that Urban Meyer is already talking about putting LaVisca in red zone packages, moving him all around, making him his version of Percy Harvin. Um, but it's kind of hard not to, to trust that Marvin Jones can find the end zone, and he's, he's proven to do so. So if they're going to be playing in a negative game script, Trevor Lawrence is going to be chucking the ball. It's only one of two, really one of three people are going to be catching that. You know, maybe it's the rookie, but I don't think uh, Travis Etienne is going to be as effective early on as we, as some people might think. James Robinson's obviously going to be there still. So um, Marvin Jones is definitely going to soak up some of that target share. But I don't. But to that, I don't have him on any roster, so that's why I gotta I gotta make this a tie. (laughs) I don't have him on any roster. Richard, have you have you taken Marvin Jones in any any of your drafts? I took him super late, like last round in uh, in one draft. Yeah, um, 
I guess if the value I, falls I, I just to you, pulled there. up my ownership uh, spreadsheet now, um, and yeah, one share. One share, yeah. I guess if the value's <laughs> there, right? If if he's going really, really super late, and if you've drafted what twenty five uh, underdog fantasy uh, rosters in a row, I guess you're gonna have some shares of Marvin Jones. So uh, you can ask Ryan Kramer about that. Make sure you go check out the tape. It's over there on the YouTube channel. It's fun, man. I, Titus, I know you're in on that too. That was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Yeah, that was great. Uh, I picked some awful rosters, and Marvin Jones didn't end up on them, so I guess they weren't that bad. <laughs> All right, let's talk about another receiver who could be on somebody's roster, maybe even a best ball roster. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders moving from the now Drew Breesless uh, New Orleans Saints to the red hot Buffalo Bills. I got to tell you, this one's going to be a hard one to argue against Richard because I think I already know where his head's at. But uh, Richard, is this a good move for Sanders and the and the Bills, or is this a bad move for them? This isn't even bad. This is just awful. I don't even. Yeah, I, I saw, when I saw this doc out, I was like, uh, you could just kind of scrub that one off. Um, you, we're seeing an, an offense where it's essentially Stefan Diggs and then the others. You got Cole. You know, Stefan Diggs had 166 targets last season. Then you massive step down to the next guy, Cole Beasley at 107, and then another massive step down to Gabriel Davis, who had 62. There's just not enough there for uh, Emmanuel Sanders to, to really do anything. The only the only guy who's actually left that had more than uh, 40 targets last season is John Brown, and he had 52 with 33 receptions. I'm not saying that Emmanuel Sanders is going to step immediately into that role, but there's just not a lot here when you've got your the, the way that they want to run this team with Josh Allen running out of the backfield. I just don't I just don't see it happening that much. I've got I've got Emmanuel Sanders doing worse than. Uh, Corey Davis. So that should tell you everything. Ooh, wow. Yeah, that does tell you a lot. Um, and now, so here's where I think this is actually going to be a good move. And this is going to be contingent on whether or not Cole Beasley decides he wants to play or if the bills want him to play. So let's say Cole Beasley moves out of town and does not decide to play. This is where Emmanuel Sanders really comes into play. And I think he's going to, uh, take that Cole Beasley role. And you're right. It is Stefan Diggs, and it is Stefan Diggs, And that's the, that's it. Uh, but here's what I think is going to happen this season is that they're going to, I mean, NFL defenses are not dumb. They're going to realize that Stefan Diggs is going to be the guy to get the ball all the time. Now, can they stop him? That's a different story, but they're going to at least try. And so what that does is not only will it do this for Cole Beasley, if Cole Beasley stays, but I feel like it'll do it for a guy like Sanders because Sanders is not a uh, not talented receiver in his own right. I mean, 726 yards uh, last season between what three teams, right? Denver and, and San Francisco. Oh no, I'm sorry. It was new Orleans. 2019 was the three teams. Uh, I got to learn how to read spreadsheets, uh, but 726 yards on a saints team, um, that, you know, it was a good one, but Josh Allen is way better now, I think than Drew Brees at the end of his career. So I think he's got enough firepower to make more than one fantasy relevant, uh, receiver this season. Because again, everybody's just going to tee off on Stefan Diggs. So I, I feel like this is a good move for Sanders. I feel like it's a good move for you to draft him somewhere in the back end of your drafts as well, uh, just to try to to take a shot, especially if Cole Beasley doesn't pay, play. So you didn't think they worked out Stefan Diggs was maybe the big part of this offense, you know, by like, you know, week four when he had 115 yards, week five when he had 106 yards, don't forget in week two when he had 153 yards. I mean, you can do whatever you want on defense, but you can't stop him. He's going to be getting his work. That's it. Simple. <sighs> yeah. Cole Beasley might might not be there, but I mean, if you're thinking Emmanuel Sanders is going to be the guy that steps up there, I think you're mistaken. 
I think you'll see Gabriel Davis see uh, a larger target share. I feel like there's partly stuff right there too. And I need like a big bomb drop sound effect because when he, when people start throwing heaters our way, we need to have something queued up for them to just really uh, uh, hit home. Cause that was a big heater. I feel wounded. Dan <laughs> score yeah, us. Yeah, up, that, was, that, that was a vicious uppercut right there because I was just waiting for Richard to do it. He was teasing it the whole time, especially when you started rambling about, uh, about how Emmanuel Sanders is going to find some fantasy relevancy. Like, if anything, it's going to be Gabriel Davis if they're keying in on Stephon Diggs. Um, that guy showed a lot of bright spots all, throughout the season. I think he's going to be their next go-to guy, so he's going to be a great value for you late in, in, in rounds and in, in late drafting in all formats. Whereas Emmanuel Sanders, you can you can just leave him on waiver wires. He's not going to help you out this season. So I give that one a 3-0 to Richard. To bring out the final tally of 18 to 11. Whew. Damn, I got Man. taken in this first one. I need a ding, 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 too. Like, we need to call. <laughs> Throw in the towel. You're knocked out like Nate Robinson right now. We're, we're, we're still trying to get you to give you the, the, the salt bath just to kind of, you know, wake you up and, and clear you out of the ropes there. Uh, that's all right. I'm okay. I'm okay taking the fall on this first one because this is a new format for us. And I think uh, any any debate is good debate. And even if the host sounds like a, a, you know, complete tool, I think it's good for you guys to listen to actual people who know what they're talking about come at me uh, with their gloves up. So, Richard, uh, that was awesome. Uh, and, and Dan, any closing thoughts? We're going to give you, we're still going to give you a couple of minutes to, to wrap up maybe some things that, that you think we left out of, of this debate. No, I, I think that, uh, Rod, to be honest, I, I think it, it was actually scored. Maybe we need another judge in here because maybe I was a little bit, I, I was definitely favoring Richard there because he was definitely liking some of my takes that I would, <laughs> uh, if I was to manage my fantasy rosters, I was definitely uh, aligned with him a little bit. But I think you still had some really good points here uh, that were worth emphasizing, especially. You know, I think the James Conner thing is going to be a really interesting story to see how that unfolds because, you know, Chase Edmonds had a chance to take over the lead dog backfield when Kenyon Drake went down with an injury. He really didn't do that much. And James Conner's proven that he can do he can do enough to be to remain fancy relevant, especially his touchdowns. Like that was his key in, in Pittsburgh. And I think that the the Arizona Cardinals offense is going to be very explosive again. Like AJ Green's not that much to write home about, but you know what? He's good enough. So I think you guys are in a great place there, uh, or I think they're in a great place there uh, to at least have some kind of fantasy relevancy. But otherwise, great show, guys. You guys killed it. All right, well, that is it. Richard, man, I want to thank you for, again, being the uh, the the guinea pig here on this uh, maiden voyage of our new scoring system. So what do you think overall? Good, bad, different? I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I quite like the format. You know, maybe I'm slightly being biased because I won. Uh <laughs> I'll uh, I'll buy buy myself a belt um, <laughs> later this uh, over the weekends. You know, I'll, uh, see if I can get a picture up of that. So um, yeah, that, that's something to look forward to on Twitter. Um, um, yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. Always good to to chat uh, fantasy with with anyone really. So it's um it's great. Really enjoyed it. Outstanding. All right, tell everybody where they can find you on the interwebs. I know they can't visit you unless they're heading over a, a seas, but to tell everybody where they can find you on the internet and and where you write for. Well, I, I, I tell you what, if if anyone actually makes over to the UK for the games, then hit me up. Um, I'm on Twitter at kfancy_sports. Uh, you can find the website is kingfancysports.com. 
got a lot of stuff going up there at the moment um we've got our draft kit which we launched at the start of june so projections workbook which is the one that i was using earlier for my projections a uh, bunch of player profiles offensive line rankings everything you kind of need to to try and take your, your league to the next level is uh is there um yeah and if you ever just want to chat then hit me up on twitter or jump into our discord channel outstanding again thanks richard for joining us make sure you follow him he's a good follow and dan let everybody know where they can find you if they're not already doing it which if they're listening to this show shame on them right i know right so yeah follow me at dan titus at d-a-n-t-i-t-u-s uh doing tons of shows for sgpn especially the fantasy football crew we're gearing up giving you guys rankings projections weekly articles we're going to give you the whole shebang so keep coming back hit the slack channel and continue to, to uh listen in and uh yeah make sure you subscribe because we're gonna be continuing uh this pace all through the off season so let's get it we are killing it all over there so again thanks for listening to you guys out there you can follow me on twitter at rj via gomez make sure you subscribe to the show on apple on google on spotify wherever you find your podcast but more importantly on the sgp and app download that today have some fun listen to all the past shows listen to all of our other shows and uh, just get to know us all of us find our work at the sports gambling podcast network website sports gambling podcast.com I think I got it all in. Thanks, everybody, for listening again. (laughs) We'll be back next week with more of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for listening.